Hi guys, and welcome to Environmental. I'm Mary. I'm Emma. And I'm Emily. We're college students who love learning about our Earth and we're eager to share our journey. Environmental is a radio show committed to blowing your mind with all things environmental. We'll explore topics such as climate change, pollution, and sustainability. Join us for a 3 a.m. existential crisis broadcasted at 3 p.m. for your convenience. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) We didn't, we, uh, that's perfect. Great. We we have been out of practice, so you can't even tell. Um, Welcome back to a new semester. Yeah. And a new decade. A new year. (laughs) First show of the decade. And a new me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, what we talk... Do we have some intro announcements? Oh, yeah, we do. We have a lot of intro announcements. Um, So, well, first, obviously, if you are listening live, then you've got the memo that our new showtime is Tuesdays at 3 p.m. So if you listen on, like, a podcast or some on a podcast station or something, then um, remember you can tune in live at 3 p.m. on Tuesdays. On (laughs) coopradio.com. So... um, Although we this is our first episode, next week we're not going to have an episode because instead we are doing a clothing swap with the Fashion Club here on campus. Woo! Um, so after our Fatal Fast fashion episode, we wanted to do something on campus to reduce the amount of, of trash from clothes um, on our earth. So we teamed up with Fashion Club to host this clothing swap event. Um, so hopefully you can attend. It's going to be three to five. Um, bring your quality um, condition articles to swap with fellow Earth lovers of the community. Um, so, again, it's Tuesday, January 28th, 3 to 5, in the Furstenberg Student Commons here um, at WSUV. We also have a Facebook event on our Facebook page, Environmental. So you can RSVP to that Ooh. as well. That'd be helpful. So hope to see you there. Yeah, I'm excited. I already got a couple people who I know are going. So Nice. It'd be awesome. Um, our next uh, order of business is this Friday, actually. There is a climate change advocacy meeting. Um, this is a new group that's forming up on campus. Um, so if you like our show and if you like hearing about the stuff we're talking about climate change or want to do something about climate change, um, you'll probably like this new group on campus. Um, they're still in formation phase, so they're still kind of figuring out um, like what the group will be about and events that they'll do. Um, so if you come, you can actually help um, shape the group as well. And this is also in the Furstenberg Student Commons on this Friday, uh, room 136 from 12 to 1.30 p.m. Perfect. Nice. And then... So we have some exciting news. We have hit a few streams. A few. We have hit 1,518 streams. Oh, my wow. gosh. Woo-hoo-hoo. So thank you so much. Woo-hoo. This is across all of our platforms. We're on nine different streaming services. Um, and so thank you for everyone who not only listens live, but also streams as well. Um, so we decided to do a special episode um, for Q&A. Yay, Q&A episode. That's what you do when you get famous, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tweet at... I'm just kidding. We don't have a Twitter. Um, but we want to know what your environment or climate change questions that you have. So hopefully we can answer them for you. Um, so we created a Google form that we we're going to have in our link. We're going to have a link to probably on our Facebook, our Instagram, um, 
which are again environmental is facebook environmental pod is our instagram so we just want to hear from our audience we um it's kind of like there's a wall there and the yeah. only thing that i can see is like on social media so i want to we want to hear from you yeah we yeah. want to know what you really want to hear yes. about what questions you you have so we want to a your cues <laughs> <laughs> yes it sounds weird when you say that. <laughs> um, so hopefully you can find that poll, um, or you can just DM us or message us. We also have a um, a Gmail, environmentalpod at gmail.com. Again, no N. Um, so you can email us with questions if you don't have Facebook or Instagram, or you can, cannot find the Google poll. Yeah. So after all that, we're on to today's topic. Yes. Which is the Australian fires. <gasps> Scary. Yes. So, yeah. That's it, it, been in the news quite a bit. Um, and, of course, we know that Cal- California had some, some blazing fires. California was blazing. <laughs> Everybody's That's true, too, but they um, but yeah, but this we're talking about a different kind of place. We're talking about a bigger <laughs> and Amazon fires, Amazon yeah. fires. Oh my gosh! And now there's those. the Australia fires. So yikes! And these have been really, really massive. So we really wanted to talk about these. So should we? I think Mary said she was. How How are you feeling about this episode? <laughs> I'm fired up, you guys. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I had to get that out. All right. Should I yeah, start should with a little dive in? in? Okay. So, how did these Australian fires start? Um, so, how they didn't start is by arsonists. Mm. Um, I know that there has been some confusion about the source, and um, some people think that it's it started similar to the way that the Amazon fire started, which is intentionally, but um, actually the Australian fires um, were started by lightning, or at least um, the the one biggest fire was. So in late October, lightning struck on the Gospers Mountain in New South Wales, which is uh, on the east coast of Australia. And... So that started a fire. It became known as the Gospers Mountain Fire, mm. and it spread quickly due to uh, drought. In October, it was uh, winter in Australia, and they hadn't gotten a lot of rain, so everything was really dry and primed for a fire. Um, so it quickly spread, and then Australia dubbed it as the largest mega blaze fire because as it grew, it linked and connected what? to a bunch of separate fires. Oh, my gosh. A mega blaze? Yes. So it turned into this giant thing. Uh, New York Times states that uh, 2 billion acres have been burned because of the Gospers Mountain fire. Um, the disastrous fire prompted an emergency mission to save um, yeah. prehistoric trees that are so rare that their location has been kept secret. Oh, I saw that. Whoa. Um, yeah. Doesn't California have one of those trees as well we talked about? They do, yeah. I wonder. I, I, don't, I don't. I thought it was interesting, the article that said that they had to save this, like, 
prehistoric trees. They ha they showed like a an image of the aerial view, but not like a Google map view, but like it just an aerial view. And I feel like you could find it by going to Australia Google map and like looking for that one section of trees that's like the only green thing left. But oh. then they say that it's like it's oh. kept secret. But I feel like if it's this only green thing in they Australia. They just saved the one tree. Yeah. It's a whole little patch. It's like in a little valley that oh, they saved oh, all oh, these oh. trees. Dang. Yeah. I wonder how they did that. Lots of helicopters. Yeah. I kind of, I pictured them, like, carefully, like, scooping it out and moving it, but actually now that I think about oh, it. Oh, no, they probably... sprayed um, flame retardant along the edge of this, like, little forest oh. of all these, like, ancient trees. How um, big are they? Uh, I'm not sure how big they are. Just scoop out a giant <laughs> tree. They're not scooping out trees. <laughs> No, but they fl uh, did flame retardant, and I think they only, like, two trees ended up even dying because of mm. the fire, um, because their efforts were oh, okay. worked. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Cool. Um, yes, so that is what's known as the Gospers Mountain Fire. That's uh, the biggest one that's been getting a lot of um, attention. Um, I would like to say that this episode will probably get a little sad, but take solace in knowing that at least that big mega blaze fire has largely been contained um but <laughs> there's still several other fires in southeastern states of new south wales and victoria and australia that are still currently burning um it's estimated that about 16 million acres just in those two states um have been burned and that is equivalent to the entirety of West Virginia catching on fire and burning. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, and that only accounts for those two states. And so, of course, um, there are other parts of the country that are being burned. Mm -hmm. um, so what the heck? How did this happen? <laughs> uh, so there are three ingredients if you want to create a powerful fire. Oh, okay. One is high temperatures. The second, low participation or er, precipitation, and the third is strong winds. And oh, good, Australia has all three oh, of them. Oh no! Yes. So perf. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's been record-breaking heat. There's been record-breaking drought, and that together with strong winds is just the perfect formula for forest fires. Um, and it's summertime in Australia right now. Oh, which I yes. Think I, I kind of forgot about when I first heard about it. But Yeah. It's the beginning of summertime. Yeah. So they still have a long road ahead of them. Um, so according to Dr. Ross uh, Bradstock, who is the director of the Center of Environmental Risk Management of Bushfires at the University of Wollongong in New South Wales, which is where that big fire was, mm. um... And he says, while scientists have long predicted that climate change would bring longer and more intense fire seasons, they were not expected to be this bad this soon. Um, under his projections, Australia would not have seen this kind of devastation for another 40 or 50 years. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So although these, like, catastrophic fires were anticipated, they were not anticipated to be as soon as we're seeing them. Um, oh. So do you think that in another 40, 50 years, it'll be even worse? So, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the predictions are probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be. Who, I, like, who knows? 
hopefully after this we will realize we need to change but yeah if we don't i can only imagine what's gonna happen if what they if if this bad now how bad will it be then yeah totally and that like also kind of reminds me of the ipcc report the 2014 one that came out was they were basically saying like oh yeah we like anticipated all these things but now they're actually happening like way sooner than we expected Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. with each update of the ipcc it just keeps pushing all of the like catastrophes like sooner and sooner and amplifying them so because i think even just looking at like the 2013 ipcc compared to the most recent one in 2018 Mm -hmm. i think um it's like a lot different already just within five years yeah and like I'm wondering if maybe that's because, like, scientists tend to be, like, very conservative in their, yeah. like, predictions. So they, um, yeah, so maybe they go with their most conservative prediction, and then it turns out it's actually much more progressive. Yeah. That's um, scary. So Dr. Um, Bradstock also says, this is a direct quote from him, Um, He says, we would be extremely foolish, given all the evidence and the magnitude of this event, to just laugh it off as a one-time phenomenon. I think that we have to get ready to deal with this season like this in the not-too-distant future. So that kind of, like, ties into what you were saying, Emily, of, like, this is, like, yeah, if it's this bad now, like, what's it going to look like in the future? (laughs) Don't really want to think about it. Uh, Also, people... Like, you guys may have heard or seen that Australia has gotten some recent uh, rain and uh, precipitation. Have you seen the videos of the little boys, like, stomping in the mud puddles Mm -mm. outside? No. No. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. Is it wholesome? Yes. Okay, that's good. We need that right now. Just a (laughs) little. Yes. Um, So, over the weekend, Australia experienced... Thunderstorms, oh. dust storms, what? And golf ball-sized hail. Oh my gosh! What? Our professor showed us a video of the the hail today, uh-huh. and it was huge. It was bigger. Some of them was bigger than golf ball size. Oh my god! Really? What do you do? Everyone was like cowering, and all everyone's cars were like their windows were smashed, and like drivers like had to pull over. Because it was like insane, and people were like outside having lunch or something, were like hiding under patio tables. Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Like I just don't even understand how you go from raging forest bush bushfires to golf sites hail. Like, but what? their their weather sounds more crazy than Washington's. Yeah. Okay, so we have good news and bad news. The good news is that um, they did get rain, and the rain has helped the firefighters uh, control control the spread of the fires. Uh, firefighters have reported a dramatic reduction in fire activity. Um, so it hasn't completely extinguished the fires, but it has temporarily stopped their spread. That's good. The bad news is um, Australia is expecting a strong cold front to move across the southern um, southern Australia tomorrow. Um, and when I first saw this, I thought, oh, good, cold. Like, it's going to get cold and the fires will die. <laughs> no, so... Oh, no, what? <laughs> cold fronts, because of their associated wind shifts, have brought the most devastating bushfire days of this fire event. Um, yeah. In, like, the recent past with this event, cold fronts have produced wind speeds so drastic 
um, that it caused firefighters to retreat and stop fighting the fires. Oh my, oh my gosh. So, uh, that's where we are right now. Oh, okay. Whew. Thank you. Thanks for the background information and That's the update. Crazy. I like the like very recent update because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff is still developing, like mm-hmm. of how much exactly how many acres is burned, exactly how many animals have been lost. Um, yeah, so. it's a continuous thing, so it's changing every day. That's really crazy. Um, so I, I did find some numbers of like how much land has been burned, um, but like I said, it is um, still being relatively updated um and in comparison to some of the other fires like we're talking about like the amazon wildfires um because the big thing with the australian wildfires is that it's just so massive um mm-hmm. there were early estimates um, beginning of january that it was 12 million acres had burned um in comparison to um california wildfires was saying about 2 million acres amazon wildfires um this image I have is um, says 2.2 but I also found another thing that said Amazon was 4.6 million acres um, so that's still only a quarter of the size of the Australian mm-hmm. wildfires right now um, and then there's also the Siberian wildfires which was 6.7 I don't remember hearing about this I did not hear about that either wildfires <laughs> I can't believe like we can just go without hearing stuff like this maybe it's because there's nobody in Siberia to document it <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is why we have this show, to spread the word. I need to look that up. Yeah, I need to look it up, too. I don't. I didn't hear about that one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so most of um, most of the mileage that's been burned has been um, forced. Um, so a big problem with this is that um, the forests are being burned, like, at an unmatched rate. Um, and this is permanently altering the landscape um, because usually these fires burn grasslands. So grasslands tend to be, these grasslands tend to be more um, adapt at regenerating um, after a big burn. But these fires are burning forests, which are less capable of regenerating quickly. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. we're likely to see like this big mark on Australia for like a really, really long time to come. Um and yeah we're talking about like decades and decades of regeneration this is gonna mess up a lot of things um and then a couple like random facts that i heard was that um actually 3,000 military from u.s was brought into australia to help Hmm. combat um the fires um especially because a lot of the firefighters in Australia are volunteer firefighters. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. The majority of Australia does not have a like paid firefighter what? thing as what we would be used to in America. Mm-hmm. Almost mm-hmm. all of them are volunteer firefighters. Wow! So that I think that just shows a lot, like how I don't know how much like it brings Australia together. Like when something like this happens, like everyone just like jumps in and is like fighting this, and it's not like they're being paid to do this, and this is their job. It's mm-hmm. Like, they're doing this to survive and, like, protect their community. Yeah, Yeah, it's just really crazy. Um, I saw a video on um, the Good News Network. Uh, It's, like, an Instagram account. And it was a video of all, like, the U.S. firefighters, like, military people, like, 
um, in the airport getting off their plane and in Sydney and there's like just a crowd of people like standing there and giving them applause like Aww. thanking them for coming to help oh wow wow that's crazy um the good news network is also a website um I really like looking at their news because it's happy it's only yeah. happy news <laughs> called the good news network so yeah after this go ahead <laughs> yeah go over there scroll a little bit it's it's very nice um so next next on the list of things that were destroyed in australia oh. <laughs> are um the animals um do you want me to just say these quick facts or do you want to yeah. jump in okay um so unfortunately so far the count for um animals is that it's it's like one billion animals have been lost early estimates was like in the millions but now it's it's in like one billion animals have been lost wow um and of course all of the um charismic fauna that we are familiar with in australia are the ones that get the most hype so koalas um one third of koalas have been estimated to have been killed um and uh platypuses um they have been moved now towards they weren't technically threatened and now they've been moved towards threatened on the um, endangered species list um, and then a lot of like early there's still a lot of early estimates but a lot of people are saying that um, animals that are kind of concentrated in one area or maybe one forest those species are probably going to be lost mm -hmm. forever because they weren't like spread out all throughout Australia they're just like just lived in one forest and if their forest gets burned down then yeah. they're gone gosh like I yeah that's just completely shocking like how are how is how are they going to recover how is yeah. Australia going to recover from this yeah and I was pretty sure koalas were already really pretty close to I'm not really sure what koalas uh, are on the endangered species list but I thought that they weren't doing so hot you know I just learned today just now that platypuses are in Australia I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that either until I saw that article. Um, so, yeah, I listened to an NPR podcast this morning. It was like eight minutes long um, called What's Behind Australia's Historic Virus. So it was kind of old in comparison to the news we have now because um, they estimated um, that only half a billion animals were affected. But the it still applies kind of what we were talking about about how it's lots of other animals and insects have been um, affected that we don't even know about um, and we cannot fathom the aftermath of these fires um, the woman who was interviewed Leslie Hughes um, she is actually on two of the IPCC reports she points out that animals even do live through this catastrophe they will face a desolate landscape with no food mm -hmm. um and estimating the scale of that impact is like almost impossible yeah yeah wow. that's like important to mention not only are animals being like directly burned by these fires but the ones that survived the fires are no now going to deal with a lack of food a lack of water so they're going to starve and dehydrate territory death. yeah, yeah. I I didn't even think of that until she mentioned that and like how Emma just said Australia has like um species that are unique 
to Australia and again like how they just the native species stay in very small ranges where they're able to survive so if a fire goes through there it's very likely those species will go extinct um, and once we're able to see the effects of the fires on the landscape it's very likely that Australia will have lost multiple species mm-hmm. so I just thought that was wild this one event is causing extinction of yeah species yeah and then what happens if like like some scientists are predicting if this isn't like a oh, one-time wow. thing like right. yeah. what in the world is going to happen <laughs> Silence. <laughs> yeah all that um Biodiversity loss, and we're gonna just all have to start eating processed corn. I don't know. <laughs> Is that what you think the apocalypse looks like? Yeah. Just eating processed corn? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we lost all these different plants and animals. So now we're just forced to feed. We're, we're forced to eat the feed that we've been feeding the animals that we've been Oof, dang. <laughs> So now we've become <laughs> the farm, the sheep. Oh We're God. sheep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is that what you got? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have more, but I wanted to sew that into your part so you keep going. Oh, my next part that I want to talk about is about, like, the ashes impacts the climate. Okay. Yeah. So then do, oh, should I continue? So you can then? keep okay. going, yeah. Um. So again, Leslie Hughes is this amazing ecologist who works in Australia for multiple decades. She's a professor in Sydney, and she's the lead author on the IPCC, like I said. Um, And so she started off by saying, basically, like most of the world, Australia is warming. 2019 was the hottest year. Interesting. Um, the reason because of heat waves and, of course, the particular dry soil, as Mary mentioned, which are the, the causes of this fire, um, or what is making this a mega blaze. And um, so contradicting what the first scientist we talked about, she says she's not surprised because she's been predicting that these events would happen um, for 30 years. So she's, because she's been working on it. She's been working in Australia. So she's like, yeah, I've, we know that this would happen eventually. Yeah. Um, but she still lives there. She's still like a human being. So seeing her home on fire is still shocking. Um, even though she knew it was happening, it doesn't take away the like emotion she feels um, behind it. Um, and so back to what I said about how um, species extinction is possible Um, I didn't know Australia has the worst rate of extinction of any country regardless (gasps) fires or not oh and I don't know if that's because they have such biodiversity there but I was shocked when I found that when 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 Leslie mentioned that so I found an article from National Geographic um, that states A report published in March by the Australian Conservation Foundation has revealed that Australia has lost more animals to extinction than any other country in the world. According to the research, since colonization, 29 species have become extinct in Australia compared to just one in the United States. 
So 35% of all global mammal extinctions since 1500 have been in Australia. 30 out of 84 worldwide extinctions. So I have a couple thoughts on that. One, uh, compared to the United States, which has already kind of killed everything by now that it wants to, which is funny. Um, But then also Australia is a, yes, I think the idea about has really high biodiversity, Mm -hmm. like that makes sense. Um, And then also Australia is an island. um, So they don't have a Mm -hmm. inflow of mammals um, Mm -hmm. or any kind of organism like from another land. Right. Um, where United States has, like, Canada and Mexico, um, where Australia is just, like, in the ocean, so they don't What have, they have is what they yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did see a chart where you the United States was, like, number one, but I think they're saying, like, in comparison to their, oh, yeah. their um, themselves. Um, so since 2009, I almost said 19, 2009, Australia has seen the loss of three vertebrates, a marsupial, a skink, which is a cool-looking lizard with green blood, (laughs) a bat, um, and a bat. (laughs) Just a bat. Just a bat. They have cool black wings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, vampire, (laughs) and they have sucker blood. Um, So, which according to the foundation is due to the federal government's inability to protect Australia's most critical habitats. Yikes. Um, so, the root of all slow climate change solutions in Australia, their federal government has been conservative and they are treating climate change as an ideology rather than a science. If a government cannot accept the link of climate change and the accelerating bushfires, then they cannot accept that this is an ongoing trend. And if you do not accept that things are going to get progressively worse, it means you can't prepare for the future. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. I was like, dang, Leslie! Mm. Uh, So, um, the fires are obviously going to change the land forever, and hopefully uh, we can use this tragedy to actually affect some real change and learn from this experience. Yeah, I think politics have like a lot to do with this mm-hmm. for sure the same thing with the amazon fires mm-hmm. oh, yeah like, oh my gosh the politics around that was crazy yeah and i am not as familiar with australian politics but i've just heard picked up on a, a few things just how the government is totally not really even like saying that this is like due to climate change yeah at all. they won't like, even admit that like this is definitely like caused by climate change which i think is insane like if that's not going to convince you what is yeah, I was also very surprised when she said that. Yeah. Like, I thought when I first heard about the fires, I thought, like, oh, good, now we have the entire country of Australia on our side mm-hmm. to, to like, fight for the cause. But no, like, it still doesn't Australia's get, it just still doesn't reach them. like, very high, um, like, fossil fuel consumption. They're one of the, like, r- pretty high consumers of that also, so... Yeah. yeah. But I wonder at least, so, like, if it doesn't, like, if the politicians still won't admit, like, what, but what about just, like, the citizens? Like, do you think that this would change just, like, the everyday citizen's mind about, like, yes opinion yeah. about climate change? Oh, yeah. I think so that's good. the citizens are concerned and they're, like, depressed and, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Can't, they're, and their, like, health and mental health are being affected. I follow a few um, Australians on Instagram, and oh. it's been interesting to, like, watch their stories the last, like, 
couple months about this um like this whole thing and how it's infecting them because like i know that i feel like really terrible terrible about climate change a lot but like if it's in your like literally your backyard Mm -hmm. like it's really scary yeah yeah i'm just scared because if like what's gonna happen to us you know like the pacific northwest yes like if if Australian government yeah. isn't even accepting that this is happening to them as their backyard burns, what is it going to take for Washington and Oregon or even the United States for us to realize we need, you know, a policy change or political action? Yeah. Well, our current administration is also it would be in agreeing with Australia's government that mm-hmm. this Correct. is not this is just an ideology. Right. Yes. So. It, think we're on a similar page Uh unfortunately what i'm hoping at least is that because australia is a democracy right so hopefully it'll be this like wait is it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure it is i'm pretty sure they have don't they do they have a prime minister or a president i i (laughs) well let's find out i I don't want to talk too much about their politics because i really don't know that much all right, well... Go ahead, finish your- <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to finish this statement on the assumption that they do have a democracy. I'm hoping it would be like a bottom-up bottom up effect where the citizens, you know, since their lives have been changed by this... Did you find the answer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep, keep going. Okay, that they will vote. They'll be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. We need to vote for clean energy and fight climate change. And so their votes will affect policy is my dream but (laughs) still still waiting on the answer that's okay they have a prime minister okay Okay, cool but do they like still vote and stuff yeah (laughs) this is is why this is not a politics podcast all right yes yeah go listen to we'll uh, go back to the environmental aspects (laughs) anyway all right they have a cabinet that's well it's still that's a thing like your idea is still right like the voices of the people should yeah. still inspire yeah. the government to take action yeah. because they any sort of um political party should be listening to their people and doing what the people want so if the people mm. are really loud about mm. um their desire for environmental action then hopefully it'll happen yeah hopefully yeah, yeah. we'll see we might, we might have to brush up on our <laughs> politics, Australian government. But we'll our, go back to our, we'll go back to environmental stuff. Our yeah. passion is the environment, yeah. Yes. So we'll stay in our lane. Um. <laughs> uh, so going back to our lane. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, to talk more about kind of the impacts of the fire, um, I want to talk about the ashes um, of the fire impacts to Australia and to um, our entire global climate. Um, so obviously there's, these are huge fires and they've released a ton of carbon Mm -hmm. dioxide, um, and are still releasing, releasing that carbon dioxide as more fires are burned. Um, and just from September through January, the wildfires released around 400 million tons of CO2, which is pretty much the same amount that the UK emits an entire year. Oh. Um, and this is from Mark Parrington, a senior scientist with the European Center for 
um, medium range weather forecasts. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, as much carbon as UK emits an entire year happened in like two months. What? Keep going. What? <laughs> Emily has a funny look on her face. Um, and of course, obviously, oh, oh okay. I, okay, sorry. <laughs> Uh, so, and then obviously, um, if you guys have listened to our podcast at all, um, you know that more carbon in the atmosphere warms our planet, and then this makes these fires more likely to happen. So this sounds a lot like a positive, positive feedback, feedback loop. <laughs> awesome. I didn't mean to mess you up. I just saw her notes said positive <laughs> feedback loop, so I was amping up for that. It's good. I was like, what could they possibly? And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's actually quite a few, like, more of what I'm going to talk about is more positive feedback loops. And that's kind of like, I don't know, the really uh. big tricky part with climate is, like, all of our actions has, like, a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. causes something else to go out of line because yeah. Earth is a system and everything impacts everything else. Um so, and then also the ashes um, from the fire have also hit New Zealand and have turned New Zealand's glaciers brown from the dust what? and the ash. Um, oh, wow. And this has, um, scientists have estimated that this ash um, could increase glacier melts by 30%. Um, oh, my. And this is because um, when glaciers are usually white, so they reflect um, most of the solar radiation that hits them. But if they're any bit darker, it will actually absorb more solar ra- radiation, which increases the rate of melting. So this is another positive, positive feedback, feedback loop. loop. <laughs> Great. Um, and, of course, increased glacier melt is, yeah, increased glacier melt is um, really bad because um, glacier glaciers is what stores water for um, everyone in that community, in that area. Um communities and ecosystems that depend on the water for runoff and for um, for water, for agriculture, pretty much for everything, for sustaining life for that area can all be impacted. So a decrease of 30% um, could have drastic, drastic impacts. And it could impact how well the glacier maintains in the future, too. I didn't wow. even know that New Zealand had glaciers. Yeah, they're pretty much, they're like an island country, but the, yeah. most of it's just all mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't you seen Lord of the Rings? They like Negative. going through the mountains. <laughs> I have not. That's <laughs> why they have a lot of Yeah. Um, and then also, so of course, this ash and dust from the fires would hit New Zealand. They're like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is this ash actually has the power to travel around the whole globe um, because okay. the ash has actually reached the stratosphere, which is a portion of the atmosphere that's about 10 miles up. Um, and this is because all of the ash and the heat, mostly the heat from the wildfires, has um, made it so that these particles can be pushed up into the stratosphere. Um, oh and, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually is a really interesting term um, because, um, well, also po- this pollution and ash doesn't usually make it up into the stratosphere, um, but the sheer size of this fires is what made it happen. Oh. So. Um, and then the, all the dust and the heat actually creates fire-induced thunder clouds, <gasps> uh, which are called pyrocumulonimbus clouds, uh, and they push they like push up this heat and particles up there into the stratosphere. Oh wow. my gosh, it's crazy. 
Um, but they're actually not totally sure if this will have a warming or a cooling effect because they kind of explain this as similar to volcanoes. Um, and volcanoes um, actually end up having a cooling effect um, mm -hmm. for um, a couple years. So they're not totally sure um, what's going to happen. Let's cross our fingers for a cooling effect. Yeah. <laughs> um and then NASA also says um, that once in the stratosphere, the smoke can travel thousands of miles from its source, affecting atmospheric conditions globally. And NASA is actually tracking these particulates right now. And they um, are past New Zealand, and they're actually on their way towards South America. Ooh. And are expected to go really around the whole globe. Yeah, I actually found a cool little, like, tracking map. So you can even track this, like, these particulates moving, like, right now. Oh, um, that's so so it's it's cool, but we don't we are unsure of the effects mm -hmm. that it will have. Um, but it'll probably spread this ash and pollution to everyone else in the globe. So, so it will affect you. It'll affect everyone. So you know what you should do? You should donate. Um, you can donate to the Australian um, Conservation Foundation. That's just the one that I found through National Geographic. It's not specific to these bushfires, but. Um, it just helps the conservation of all the land. Mm -hmm. um, so it's support.acf.org.au. So you head on over there, give what you can. You can donate to all the volunteer um, firefighter efforts as well. But of course, yes. with any donation, especially like this one, it's like such a hype. Um, you have to be really careful not to Definitely. donate to a like scam yeah. website. Um, so, yes. Nothing says I care like cold, hard cash. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this happens on social media. People will make accounts and they'll be like, each like is a donation. It's like, no, I don't believe you. I mean, there definitely are some good ones out there, but yeah, there's, it's very easy for scammers to, yeah, to, to use this tragedy as a means for. That I've seen good. a lot of businesses, that like good, small good. businesses, too, doing, like, oh, I'll donate 50% of my, uh, like, profits to... Yeah, yeah. Oh. I've seen that, too. So, I think, I don't know, I think it's been really cool seeing how many people have been donating. Yeah. And you can be one of them. Yeah. So, that's... Yeah, that's I think not today's episode. Yeah, I think that's all we have for Australia Fires. Um, if you need to pick me up, don't forget to go over to the Good News Network... <laughs> Yes. Um, .org, I think. They also have an Instagram, apparently. Yep. So that's cool. Um, and reminders, uh, Clothing Swap next Tuesday. No episode. No episode. So come check us out. Come chat with us in uh, Furstenberg from 3 to 5. And then this Friday, there's a climate change advocacy meeting, uh, also, also in Furstenberg, um, at 12 p.m. And... What's lastly, we have, don't forget about our Q&A episode coming up that you can find the link on all of our social media platforms. Yes. yes. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, environmentalpod, no N, Facebook, environmental, no N. We are available across nine streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, again, by searching environmental with no N. Thank you guys so much for letting me check Current streams. <laughs> <laughs>
can you see? Loading. 1,518. We have an estimated audience of 62 people. Wow. Hello. Um, and I, we're not making any money off this. Um, I just, something fun us three college students are doing. So th- <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening and supporting us. We yeah. really yeah, do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, it, guys. All right. We'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Bye. Bye.